0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: Hey, it's Robbie here. And coming up on today's episode of the Offscript podcast, we've got the courageous, the inspirational story of a lady called Polly Brooks. This is not an easy listen by any means, but I can assure you that if you do stick around, you will be inspired.
0: The Big Interview with Offscript.
1: Paulie Brooks, a remarkable
0: lady in more ways than one. Now, it'd be remiss of me not to tell you this, that the following story that you are about to hear, it is a harrowing one that some of you may find distressing. It's very important that I warn you ahead of time. Now, I'm going to let Pauly pick up the story now because we're going back to October the 12th, 2002. We're heading to Kuta in Bali. It's a day that we changed. Change Paulie's life and the lives of many, many others forever.
2: So it's coming up to uh, nearly 20 years ago that I was on holiday um, on a rugby tour with my husband um, Dan and some friends. And Dan and I just got married five weeks earlier, and really probably shouldn't have gone on that tour. But um, you know what it's like. We'd met on the side of the pitch at that tour uh, two years earlier, and um, actually we got engaged the following year. So. Um, even though we'd been on honeymoon and gone back to work, um, you know, we'd just uh, nipped from Hong Kong Starly for the Hong Kong Tens. And, um, you know, it was just a normal day, really. We had, uh, you know, fun on the rugby pitch and then we hung out at the pool um, and headed down to Kuta, which many of you all know is like the sort of night bar expat scene and, um, you know, no different from any other time we'd been there. And um, there were 10 of us uh, in a group, three girls, seven boys, and we went out for a lovely local sort of um, Indonesian meal um, and as we were leaving the boys headed off and of uh, my friends wanted to powder her nose so we went to the ladies and they headed off um, so the boys were slightly ahead and we decided to go to the sari club and uh, by the time we got there uh, the girls the boys were by the bar on the right if anyone's been there um, and they were busy buying some jungle juice um, which was sold in, in massive jugs and the last words that Dan said to me were babe do you want to drink and at the time I was feeling pretty full and I just went no I'm, I'm all right I'm going to go for a dance and so I headed on to, on through the crowds into the back to the dance floor with my friend Annika and Tina and just, you know, started dancing. Um, it was share, I believe, and pretty nice, but, you know, um, all fun when you're away. And the next thing, uh, we heard a massive explosion. And I remember someone saying, what's that? And someone said, Gas explosion. And then suddenly, boom, the whole world changed for me. Um, you know, it just all I can really describe it as was like this massive yellow light that just came straight at me. And, threw me up up into the sky and um, I don't know everything sort of came crashing down on me and I had to sort of wait for everything to stop falling before I could assess the situation um, and I remember, I remember looking out and there's like fire everywhere and people screaming and thinking you know I'm gonna die and this is it I'm gonna die and then I thought well at least I'm in Bali at least I'm at the rugby tournament and then I thought no I've got to get out of here and it was at that point that I realized that my um, left side of my body had started to burn. Um, and then I just managed to yank myself up out onto the roof. You know, just by sheer chance, I, I was not knocked unconscious and I was able to pull myself out.
0: The voice there of Polly Brooks recounting the horror and devastation caused by the two terrorist bombs in Bali back in 2002. Now, you heard there, Polly, along with her husband Dan and eight friends, they were caught up in one of those explosions. Now, the rugby world, it was hit hard. Some of the people caught in those blasts were players and supporters attending the Bali Tens competition. Now, in total, 202 people lost their lives with those two explosions in bali some 20 years ago as you heard from polly she was on fire for heaven's sake and she picks up the story once more
2: i was wearing these get me started trousers and i think they caught fire and um when i sort of pulled myself out um i was they actually came off with me and so i was actually left like just wearing uh, a whole neck top and a little pair of sneakers, as i ran across and I remember thinking it was just a wall of flames, like the whole place just went up like a tinderbox and I could see someone else escaping across the roof um, and across the sort of straw matting of the roof so I, I wanted to follow there. I mean obviously I was barefoot, um, I was literally terrified um, and I managed to managed to cross the roof and sort of stagger down into this cul-de-sac. And, Luckily for me, I'm an I Australian. Obviously, luckily for me, there were some young Australian guys there who were who, who ruled rules uh, tournament, and they had not actually been in in the Pasooria club, but were in a hotel just along the way. They, they, one of them came rushing over to me with a blanket, knoll, um and, and put the flames out, and basically kept me upright because I just wanted to fall to the ground. But he kept me upright, and they sort of pulled me into this cul-de-sac. Uh, and, and found me a mattress from their hotel and basically we were trapped there for a couple of hours and um, there's about 70 of us or 80 of us that were all injured in various different formats, trapped by the falling building in this cul-de-sac.
1: She's such a good storyteller in terms of really making you feel like you were there and telling it. Of course, it is a harrowing story, but as we often do on this show, we like to bring you stories of people who have managed to Indeed. rise up after after trauma or after difficulty. I did
0: commend Paulie on her bravery, the fact that she was so frank, so candid with her telling of this story. She was in the face of it we're taking you back to October 12th 2002 we're heading back to Kuta Bali it was a day that would change Polly's life and the lives of many many others forever it was the day of the Bali bombing some 202 souls perished on that fateful day we've heard the story of Polly who was in flames down her left hand side those flames were then extinguished by a, a good Samaritan who came to her aid and I had to ask the question whilst all of that is transpiring at what point? Does Paulie's thoughts turn? to her husband Dan Dan was alongside her in the bar they had eight friends at what point does Paulie think to herself where's my husband
2: all of that was a complete fight flight or you know reaction uh, and um, you never know really until you're in a moment of crisis like that what your reaction is some people freeze so there's fight flight and freeze and for me luckily I'm a a fighter (laughs) Um, and so um, I I did freeze I suppose for a minute and then I fought Um, it was when I was lying on the mattress and I was like, you know, where's Dan and where's Annika, where are my other friends and there were, you know, in those days the mobile phones were like little brick Nokia's I hadn't taken mine out of an evening because did isn't, but there were some people who who were in Tracton at fact who weren't into, had a phone and I remember ringing my mum ringing Dan's mum or I think I told my mum, I only my, rang my mum from memory now, and I asked her to ring Dan's mum and ring Annika's mum and see if they'd ring ring because I got in I got out, I mean, I, I escaped, so I, I hoped that they had, and um, Amica was right next to me when it happened. Dan and the boys were closest to the bar, and as it later turned out, closest to the big um, van that was packed full of explosives that went off. Um, but, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't. Um, well, A, we didn't know it was a bomb at that time. We thought it was a gas explosion. And B, um, you know, I had hopes, how I put it. However, you know, it was complete chaos.
0: Complete chaos. You're trying to make sense of what has just transpired. You are aware that just seconds beforehand, in the case of Polly, her good friend Annika's to her right, her husband of five weeks, Dan, is at the bar. We've all been there. You've all we've all been with loved ones in a bar. You get the drinks. I'm over here. I'll get the table sorted. So we move on. And this gut-wrenching revelation from Paulie.
2: Ten of us were in that bar, and I was the only one that got out alive, and you... one by one. It took it took three three weeks um, for everyone to be finally identified. But, yeah, unfortunately, I was the only one that made it out alive, which, as you can imagine, was quite a heavy thing to um, deal with and process.
0: Absolutely, Paulie. I mean... Uh, again, I'm, I'm emotional just listening to you tell the story. I don't even know you, Polly. I don't know Dan. I don't know the friends that you were with. Can I ask, Polly, a, a deeply personal question this. When did you When did you find out, when did the, the emergency services come to you
2: and, and tell you that Dan hadn't made it? Uh, so, so it was about 10 days after um, the bombing that we had final clarification that he had passed away by his dental records and it was actually his by then my mum and his mum were out in Brisbane I'd been flown from first of all Bali to um, Perth to then to Brisbane and uh, they came in together to tell me but to be honest I think I knew I think I knew probably came out of intensive care, I was in intensive care for about three days and then I remember being absolutely in agony and being so obsessed about it and I kind of knew in my heart by then that if he hadn't been found by now, it was unlikely that he was going to be found alive and um, um, I remember a nurse saying to me, because honestly my body hurt everywhere, that she said you need to just focus on your own recovery for now and there'll be time to grieve later. Um, and it was just just the most horrendous (laughs) situation to be faced with and it was like a daily occurrence really finding out that someone else hadn't made it and it had been confirmed and um you know it was it was just it was terrible um and you know I i was i was very lucky though that there were a couple of other teams out there from the hong kong we were from the hong kong football club vandals touring side and you know there was the Potbelly Pigs from Hong Kong and also um, the Valley Boys had a team and those boys were fantastic like trying to get me information first of all they found me in the Bali Hospital and they had to go to my hotel room to get me a passport so that Australia would take me um, you know they were they got my phone for me um, and the Potbelly Pigs boys all helped and yeah I mean you know rugby is one of those wonderful worlds that sort of surrounds you with love um, to try and help put you back together.
0: I should point out at this juncture as well, Paul. You talk about your mum saying it's important that you focus on your own recovery. How much percentage of your body was covered in burns?
2: Yeah, so uh, the official percentage is forty-three percent. So forty-three percent of my body was burned, and then they stole skin from the other parts parts of my body that wasn't burned to to, to still the bit that was. So, you know, I remember waking up after the initial life-saving surgery, just covered head to toe in bandages.
0: I mean, it is difficult listening to that. I mean, how do you fathom that? The the physical pain, the injuries that she suffered, 43% of her body covered in burns. She's dealing with that physical pain, the mental pain of that as well, I'm sure. But then to reconcile with the fact that your husband of five weeks is gone every one of your friends who were with you on that trip gone. As she said herself, Polly, that news trickled in almost daily. I mean, talk about the resolve and the strength to pull yourself through. I can't even begin to fathom what that lady has been through.
1: Yeah, it's just an unimaginable amount to deal with all at once. I mean, you don't—that doesn't happen. You don't no. lose basically all of your closest people in one fell swoop. That never happens. And it just—even thinking about that—it's
0: uh, hard to grapple with. The, the, the mental, I guess, uh, another part of it as well is you deal with the why me. She's the only mm-hmm. survivor over a group incredibly fortunate but equally I've read countless stories whereby there's a guilt associated with that why have I survived and why have my loved ones not and in the case of Polly, I mean incredible strength of character and and I needed to ask the question there she is then 43% of her body covered in burns how long in total did you spend in hospital
2: I was actually, funnily enough, I healed quite quickly. I uh, did everything I was told. I was I was like an inpatient in bed for six weeks, and then I spent another four weeks, um, like a, a day release sort of thing. They let me get into a and b with my family. Um, one of the things you're massively at risk with burns is infection, um, and you need to eat a lot of protein to heal your skin, so they try and get you out in hospital as quickly as possible, because you're most likely to get infections there. Um, and so they, they basically got me well enough to get on a plane back to the UK um, and I moved back to the UK with my parents and um, so I think I arrived in on something like December the 18th having been blown up in October 12th.
0: October 12th to December 18th, two months give or take, two months with her life was one thing. Her life was totally different after that. When we talk about resolve in those weeks that she was recovering, it quickly dawned on her that she wanted to commemorate and celebrate the life of Dan. So what did she do? Well, she set up a charity in his name.
2: Yeah. So in Australia, I mean, I was really blessed to be, to be treated in Australia. The nurses were really like you know positive and lovely people. And you know Bali was such a big thing for them. They lost many people in Australia. Uh, Australians and, and you know they they couldn't do enough. And and but they would often moaned that no one ever raised any money for adult burn survivors it was always for the children and so i said well i'll raise some money for you and while i was in hospital um everyone was really good at keeping the press at bay because everyone wanted to talk to the english girl you know from bali um but they were all desperate to speak to me so as we were leaving we were in brisbane airport um the the british consulate arranged for a, a sort of press conference and i sort of announced to the world that i was going to raise some money for for the adult burns unit in in australia to say thank you for saving my life and you know when i got back to the uk um i had to sort of had so many things to do i had to have a funeral for dan they waited for me and then after christmas then we wanted to do a memorial uh, for him in, in london which we did in january then in february i flew back to hong kong with my mom to close down my life there and also have a memorial out there um, he and I had met in Bali, we were living in Hong Kong, so our whole life really was in Hong Kong together. Um, so that was all incredibly emotional. And then I came back to the UK and um, I had to such an amazing response from announcing both the memorials that I wanted to raise some money for burn survivors that I realized that I needed to set up a proper charity so uh, with the help of Dan was a lawyer with the help of his firm uh, Herbert Smith actually helped me to set up Dan Sons Burns which is an adult Burns charity um, which has now been going 19 years which is incredible, incredible.
0: it really is Ed, do you have to hand Paulie how much have you raised over the last
2: 19 years uh, it's about 2.4, 2.5 million sterling. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really incredible. And I've just been to the British Burns Association conference last week in Bristol, and there's so many people coming out and just thanking us for all the different bits and pieces we do. Yesterday I was able to have a room with a family in Belfast who, whose daughter got badly burnt in a car crash, and they're living, she's living on a bed in the living room at the moment, and so we just agreed a grant to help her uh, build an extension and have her own bedroom. Um, you know, I've got an, actually got another Zoom at 12 to speak to someone else who, who's in a wheelchair from their burns and we're going to be buying them, uh, you know, an attachment to make their, their you know, wheelchair militarised. and, you know, like, even all these years later, I sort of feel like, you know, every time I can change someone's life for the better of it, it kind of means that they didn't die in pain, that I did more good. I've done more good over the last 19 years than, than the bombers did and what they were trying to achieve. So, uh, it's, it's what's given me comfort. And, you know, if, any, if anyone else has had a t- terrible thing happen in their lives, and, and many people have, um, one of the biggest ways to heal is to help others.
0: Absolutely,
2: Paul. So that's been a massive, massive part of my journey. And, you know, to be honest, it was so bleak and dark those first couple of years after Bali that I needed to do something positive, to have some sort of light, uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, it definitely, definitely helped me. Uh, and the love I think once something terrible happens to you you lose all your sort of, innocence and you, you sort of think that other bad things can happen to you and that people are not very nice and all the love and everything that everyone did uh, in terms of you know, supporting me and raising money just little by little help put me back together Does that oh, makes sense
0: it's beautiful that little by little Polly Brooks was put back together as you heard there 2.4 to 2.5 million pounds sterling has been raised over the course of the last couple of decades following on from the Bali bombings and Polly did say to me as well later on in the interview that's what keeps her motivated that's what keeps Dan's memory strong because the fact she's helping others for the terrible, terrible, you know, there's so many people in every walk of life that suffer burns whether it's house, mm-hmm. fires, car crashes, whatever the case may be and there's so Paul. That,
1: that's an additional piece of bravery to sort of get up close to the tragedy and sort of inhabit, uh, live a life which which kind of places the tragedy front and on, center. On, on a front and center you know and and to sort of to talk to you twenty years later it must have dragged up some to, to recount what i can 't imagine reliving that and actually agreeing to an interview with you just twenty years later to relive what must have just been at the time, just just extraordinarily difficult to handle and process. Yes. It's, it's amazing that she's actually willing to the go strength, back and revisit it.
0: And the strength of character in that lady. You can find out more about what Polly is up to by checking out Dan's Fund for Burns. You can find it on Google. Any search will bring that up if you want to. Donate. If you want to find out more, you can do that. Dan's Fund for Burns. The OffScript Podcast.
1: We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.